With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. It has been a good week for many people across the world, and I am not just talking about Joe Biden supporters. It has been a good week for China's manufacturers, with new figures being released last week. It has also been a good week for foreign exporters trying to access the Chinese market, and it's been a good week for foreign investors. Full of good cheer, here's what's been happening in the world of business this week. Spoiler alert, there is some bad news as well. China inked its first term deal to buy liquefied natural gas, or LNG, from an American exporter since the trade war disrupted deliveries, a sign of confidence that relations with the U.S. could be normalizing, according to Bloomberg. China's Foran Energy Group said it signed a framework agreement with U.S. producer Chenier Energy Incorporated to purchase 26 cargoes between 2021 and 2025. The deal was made during the annual trade fair focused on imports in Shanghai, a signature project of President Xi Jinping designed to showcase China's openness to the world. Prices will be linked to the U.S. Henry Hub benchmark. American LNG sales to China had stopped completely between May 2019 and March of this year. Chenier sent nine LNG cargoes to China between March and August of this year, U.S. Department of Energy figures show. In more good news for U.S. exporters, China imported its first-ever commercial shipment of rice from the U.S., marking a positive move in the implementation of this year's Phase 1 trade deal after nearly two decades of efforts by the American rice industry to export to the world's largest rice-consuming nation. Chicago-based Archer Daniels Midland Company, ADM, shipped 20 metric tons of U.S. rice to China, according to the USA Rice Federation. The shipment of CalRose medium-grain rice was cleared at the port of Xiamen, Fujian Province. And looking ahead, there might be even more good news for exporters to China, as President Xi Jinping said he expects imports to grow over the next decade and pledged to further open the country's markets. Goods imports will likely exceed $22 trillion over the next 10 years, Xi announced Wednesday, saying, quote, With a population of $1.4 billion and a middle-income group of more than $400 million, China is the world's most promising large market, end quote. 
There's also been good news for China's domestic manufacturers. China's manufacturing activity expanded at the fastest pace in nearly a decade as a recovery in both supply and demand continued to pick up speed in the post-pandemic period a Caixin-sponsored survey showed last week. The Caixin China General Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, or PMI, which gives an independent snapshot of the country's manufacturing sector, rose to 53.6 in October from 53 the previous month. A number above 50 indicates an expansion in activity, while a reading below signals a contraction. The October reading was the highest since January 2011 and marked the sixth straight month of expansion. As well as good news for international exporters, there might even be good news for overseas investors into the Chinese market. Bloomberg on Thursday announced the launch of a new index to make it easier to invest in a $7 trillion chunk of China's bond market that foreign investors have generally been reluctant to get involved with. The index aims to track highly liquid and tradable yuan-denominated credit bonds, those issued by companies, local governments, and financial institutions that aren't policy banks, and is expected to bring in more overseas capital to the onshore Chinese debt market. While China might be open to receiving more foreign goods and money, it might be proving more difficult for foreigners to visit the country, at least in the short term. China has temporarily banned inbound travel from six countries, including Italy, Russia, Belgium, India, the UK, and the Philippines, due to a rise of COVID-19 cases in those countries. According to statements from China, non-Chinese nationals with valid visas and residential permits for work, personal matters, and reunion have been temporarily denied entry into China. The Chinese embassy will no longer issue health certificates for them. A bacterial leak from a biopharmaceutical plant has thousands more victims than previously thought, local government authorities revealed last week. The number of people in a northwest China city infected by a potentially lifelong disease due to a leak from a factory owned by China Animal Husbandry Industry Company Limited is more than twice as high as previously thought. Officials in Lanzhou, the capital of Gansu province, said at a press conference Thursday that widespread testing in the area around the biopharmaceutical plant had found 6,620 people carrying antibodies against the brucella bacterium, an increase of 3,375 on the figure reported in September. And finally, a baby panda has been inappropriately touched by a K-pop band. You couldn't make this up. The famous South Korean all-girl pop group Blackpink has aroused controversy on Chinese social media after its members illegally touched a baby panda and its mother in a reality TV show. China loans its pandas out to other countries around the world, but under strict conditions, one of them being forbidding non-professionals from touching them or coming into close contact with them. The regulations are put in place in order to reduce the possibility of spreading infections or causing any other types of harm. Let's turn now to Doug Young, Managing Editor of Caixin Global, for a look at the big story in China this week. Yes, there was another big story, so let's hear all about it, Doug. Hi, Kaiser. Um, well, you know, most of the world has been watching the U.S. elections, uh, but here in China, we've had another big story, which has been the collapse and, and very sudden collapse of a, what was going to be the world's biggest IPO 
uh, and this is by the company called Ant Group. Um, some people, uh, actually, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have probably seen this, but uh, it it really came as a shocker. Uh, this is basically the company that operates Alipay in China, uh, and then they have a huge micro lending business, and and it's really become this financial. They call them fintech, financial technology giant, and they were all on track to do this. Basically, it was supposed to be about $35 billion IPO uh, simultaneous in Hong Kong and in Shanghai. And then really at the 11th hour, I believe it was like on Tuesday, the stock was supposed to debut on Thursday. And on Tuesday, suddenly, uh, guess what? Uh, they put out an announcement saying, uh, due to regulatory changes, uh, we are not going to be able to do our IPO. And, you know, at that point, obviously, they'd taken all sorts of pre-orders. They'd taken all sorts of money. Uh, and again, you know, this was going to be bigger than Saudi Aramco, which is the current record holder for IPOs. So, again, it was it was quite a shocker. Um, later on, you know, they came out with all sorts of explanations. But the bottom line was it was essentially regulation. Uh, China's regulators basically told Alibaba, or I guess not Alibaba, Ant at the last minute that, uh, hey, guess what, guys? You guys are going to be subject to tighter regulation. Um, and this had in, in terms of – it was a, a number of different things that I won't go into here, but it essentially Ant was not complying with all sorts of new regulations, which you know you wouldn't expect them to. But uh, – with such a huge overhang, you know, they couldn't go ahead with it. Uh, so they they basically called it off. Um, I don't think it's going to be off forever, but they certainly called it off for a while. So what's next for Ant Group? Well, this is the billion or several billion dollar question. Um, we've just put out a, a story this week and everybody else is is scrambling as well to come up with sort of valuations. What's this change going to mean for Ant because it's going to take a big chunk out of their micro lending business, which is a, the, one of their biggest businesses. So I've seen estimates anywhere from our estimate of about 500 billion yuan, which is about 70 billion US to as much as 150 billion dollars, uh, which is a lot. Uh, and this is Ant was initially basically thought to be valued at about 300 billion US dollars, which is huge. But you can see that at the high end, $150 billion would knock off half of its market value. At the lower end, the $70 billion figure would knock off about a quarter of its market value. So, you know, these are some big adjustments that are going to be coming. And again, this this is something that's been going on for a while in terms of China sort of clamping down on this new generation of fintechs because they really are much more lightly regulated than, than banks Uh they're not very good at risk management. They they tend to overextend themselves, you know. And when economic times are booming, that's fine. But then when you hit an an economic downturn and suddenly everything collapses, you know, these these companies could just be ticking time bombs waiting to go off. So uh, to answer the original question, you know, I think this IPO will come back, but it might not be the world's biggest IPO when it does come back. And, you know, people are saying we'll probably see a smaller valuation for Ant as well. So, Doug, what does this dramatic turn of events tell us about Jack Ma's relationship with authorities in Beijing? 
Well, this is the probably a fun part of this story, at least uh, for observers like myself who've been watching Jack Ma for a long time. Uh, Jack Ma has been very, you know, he's been he's he's very talkative, uh, and he's also got a sort of a reputation for sometimes putting his foot in his mouth and doesn't necessarily have the best government relations, uh, you know, because he talks too much. You know, the the Chinese government and governments in general tend to be very low key. Say less is better. Uh, whereas Jack Ma will go, you know, in front of the cameras and and talk to anybody about anything you want. So you know, the word is that he got called in by the regulators, uh, sort of at the eleventh hour, and that's what led to this this huge collapse. Um, and I think it's sort of indicative of the fact that Alibaba does not have probably the best government relations. I think the government tolerates Alibaba because it's as this huge company. Uh, you know, it's a huge employer. It's a huge economic growth engine and so forth. But uh, I think probably personally a lot of the people in the regulatory agencies don't really care for Jack Ma's style. Uh, they certainly don't care for his sort of freewheeling, you know, easy ways. And, you know, the fact that they sort of dropped this huge regulatory bomb on him the the day before his IPO, you know, sort of probably speaks volumes to what people in Beijing feel about this guy. So, uh, you know, it's it's always been like that. And, and he's just too valuable. The company, his companies are too valuable for them to you know, to to try and tamper with too much. But you know, anytime you've got a, a Jack Ma company, regulatory risk is probably one of the things you have to look at. Okay, thanks a ton, Doug. And we look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Okay, thanks a lot, Kaiser. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Saishin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Saishin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. For more on China, be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SubChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks very much for listening, and we will see you next week. Take care. <laughs>